Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Ancestor, written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash Ancestor. November 30th, Failure. Implantation plus 21 days. Colding sat up in his bed, blinking away the sleep. Had he heard a gunshot or dreamed it? An instinctive alarm rang somewhere in his subconscious. Jean! He threw the covers aside and sprinted into the hall, headed for her room. Colding found her door half open. He tried to push it open farther, but something blocked it. A dresser, he saw, as he slid into the room. Slid in and saw the body. He brushed past Magnus and Andy. Jeanne lay on the floor in a still-widening pool of blood. Her left hand was clenched into a fist, strands of her black hair still sticking out from between the fingers. Her right hand held a Beretta 96. He didn't need to check for a pulse. The fist-sized hole in the back of her head said it all. She must have snuck into the security area, Andy said. Stupid Clayton in that code. She was a smart woman, Magnus said. Even if we had a real code, she probably would have figured it out. Colding knelt next to the body of his friend, the woman he was supposed to protect. Not just because it was his job, but because Jean had needed someone to protect her, to help her cope with life. And he'd failed her, just like he'd failed Clarissa. He should have gotten Jean off the island days ago. She needed help, real help. She needed to be away from the stress that messed her up so bad, even if the meds were perfect. But no, he'd ignored her needs because of the fucking project, because of hope for millions. Colding looked up at Andy. What happened? I saw her in a routine video suite, Andy said. She had the Beretta. She was babbling something in that ching-chang-chong talk. Magnus made a sound. Almost a bad impression of someone expressing sympathy. It made Colding want to rip out the man's tongue. Andy called me and I rushed here, but the door was blocked, Magnus said. I tried to talk to her, but she wouldn't speak English. I couldn't get inside in time to stop her. He held up a still-bleeding hand, as if his blood was inarguable evidence of his efforts to save Jean. And yet, even with the brains of his company's prized genius dripping down the walls— Magnus Paglione didn't show a shred of emotion. Colding remembered his suspicions about Erica Hole, how Dante wouldn't say anything about her. He remembered how he'd left Erica with Magnus. But Erica had tried to destroy everything. She'd been in collusion with Fisher. Jean hadn't done anything like that, unless, unless she'd made good on her desire to contact the outside world. Colding looked around the room, searching for a phone, a walkie-talkie, even two tin cans connected with strings. 
but he saw nothing. There was no way to call out. Dante had made sure of that. No way except for the secure connection to Manitoba, and that was locked up tight. Then his eyes settled on the computer. Somehow, Jean had figured out how to use the computer to call for help. He looked at the blood splatters on the back wall, some droplets still trickling slowly down. He then looked at the hole in the door. Jean had been facing that hole when she died. She hadn't killed herself at all. Such a tragedy, Magnus said. She tried suicide so many times and finally pulled it off. Andy reached down and pulled the pistol from Jean's hand. So what do we do now? I kill you murdering fuckers. That's what we do now. The thought roared in Colding's head with million decimal volume. He fought for control. Without a weapon, he had no chance against either Magnus or Andy. Despite the rage, the hatred, the undeniable need to do something, he had to stay calm. Stay smart. Get Sarah, Roomkorf, and the others off the island. Once Sarah was safe, then he could think about justice. He had to play along, buy some time. We can't tell the others she's dead, Colding said. They'll lose confidence, and it could compromise the project. Magnus looked down at him. A small smile toyed at the edge of his mouth. So what are you saying, Bubba, that we should just tell them she's taking a nap? Something like that. We tell them she had a nervous breakdown. Everyone knows how stress messes with her. We tell them she needs a few days off. By then, hopefully, the ancestors will be delivered and we'll have our live animals. Andy shook his head. What about the gunshot? Colding gestured to the empty room. You see anyone else coming to see what happened? Colding's right, Magnus said. We'll board up the door, say we had to break in to reach her when she flipped out. We'll lock up her room. No one gets in but Colding, because he's the only one she really trusted. Work for you, Bubba? Colding nodded feeling the extra burst of guilt brought on by Magnus's words. Good, Magnus said. Colding, hurry up and bury her before anyone gets back. Colding stood up. Are you joking? We can't leave the body here stinking up the place, Magnus said. And I'm not putting her in the kitchen's walk-in freezer where Clayton can stumble into it. If you'd been better at your job, she'd still be alive. So this is your mess. Do it. Now. Colding thought for a moment, still fighting to control the rage. All that mattered now was getting Sarah off the island. He had to do whatever it took to make that happen. You're right, he said. I'll take care of it. Magnus turned and walked out the door. Andy followed him, leaving Colding alone with the corpse of his friend. November 30th, Endgame Implantation plus 21 days Magnus sat in front of the secure terminal, thick fingers drumming a relentless pattern on the desktop. Ba-da-ba-bump, ba-da-ba-bump, ba-da-ba-bump. He waited for Dante's face to appear. While he waited, he read the email again. From Farm Girl to Big Papa Subject, Funny Stuff at Home I heard about that funny prank call to Dad. Crazy prank callers, ROTFL. 
it was a silly thing for the prankster to do. Dad's guys at the office are going to track that down. It will take five days at least, six at the most. Oh, and I wouldn't take the car. Dad's looking for it. Looking hard. TTYL, Farm Girl. It was over now. Even Dante had to see that. No place left to run. Taking the C-5 out again was a crapshoot at best, and even if they got it off the island undetected, they didn't have any more secret facilities. Fisher would have access to satellite coverage. He'd have people watching. He couldn't see everywhere at once, granted, but the word would be out about the C-5. No more buying off air traffic controllers. If the C-5 passed near an airport radar system, even a small airport, that might be it. Five days at best. Maybe six. Finally, the Janata logo disappeared, replaced by his brother's panicky face. Magnus, what the hell is going on? My computer guys told me our system called you Samrit? It was Jean, Magnus said. She hacked into the secure terminal, used your end to call Fisher. He watched Dante's face, the predictable wave of emotions. Disbelief, anger, then anxiety. What? What did she tell him? The usual chit-chat. What she had for lunch, ancestor research, that kind of thing. The only piece of luck was she didn't get a chance to give our location. You broke the connection in time? You could put it that way, sure. You... you didn't, Dante said. Magnus, please tell me you didn't. Magnus said nothing. But she's the whole project! You idiot! What the fuck are we going to do without her? Magnus was the boots on the ground, making real-time decisions, saving Janata's ass. And Dante was calling him an idiot? So what now? Dante screamed, shaking his fist at a camera hundreds of miles away. That was just a brilliant business decision on your part, you fucking psycho! What the hell do we do now? We cut our losses, Magnus said. We cover our trail, move on to the next opportunity. What do you mean, cut our losses? Big brother, you better pull your head out of your ass and do it quick. Don't you get it? Jean called Fisher. He wants Colding and Roomcorf. He thinks he'll get them to roll over so he can nail us on other charges. But when we give Colding and Roomcorf to Fisher, we make sure they won't talk. Ever. He set the game up this way, not us. He gets what he asked for. And the G-8 know without a doubt that Janata is out of the transgenic game. That's all the governments really want. Our lawyers unfreeze the accounts. Presto changeo. We move on. Dante leaned in toward the camera until his face filled up the screen. We can't do that. Those are our people and we're so close. Once the ancestors are born, the public and the press won't let anyone get in our way. We've won. We just need a few more days. Magnus kept his face expressionless, but inside, he felt a rare spurt of sadness. Poor Dante. Never able to make the decisions that had to be made. Dante's face lit up, like the answer to the world's problems had just flashed in his head. It made him look like a special ed kid who just caught a bug after hours of failed attempts. Manitoba! Listen, let's move the C-5 to Manitoba. I'll have crews start building facilities that can hold something the size of a tiger. Magnus nodded. Sure, why not? Okay, brother. How do you want to do this? Let's think it out. 
There's a major blizzard coming across Lake Superior tonight. The fringes of it are probably already hitting Black Manitou. Our weather report says that's going to last the better part of two days, and there's another storm right behind it. I assume you talked to Farm Girl? Got an email from her, Magnus said. According to her, we have five days. Perfect, Dante said. I'll have to do some travel jumping to lose Fisher's men. I'll be at Black Manitou in four days, as soon as the second storm fades a bit, with flight plan and strategy in hand, okay? How big are these storms? Dante reached for his keyboard. The picture changed to a weather map of Michigan. The land was brown, the water was blue, and the two-fisted storm was an angry green mass hung like a massive shroud over the northern shore of Lake Superior. Well, 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 Magnus said. That is a big storm. The picture switched back to Dante's face. Almost hurricane-class winds. Nobody will fly in that, and any boat will be a death trap. Just give me four days, Magnus. I'll be there on December 4th. We'll find a way to get the C-5 out of there, in secret and to Manitoba. We have to find a way. Magnus nodded. Four days? I think I can handle that. Wonderful, Dante said. You'll see, little brother. We'll pull through this, together. Magnus smiled, then disconnected. Family was such a funny thing. You can pick who you fuck, who you kill, but you can't pick your own brother. Fly to Janata headquarters in a massive plane that Fisher was looking for? Dante had lost it. Magnus called up the computer's password program, locking out all access except for his own. When he finished, he left the security office and headed for the hangar. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. November 30th. Colding says goodbye. Colding wiped the back of his hand across his forehead. It just smeared dirt on his skin more than it wiped away the sweat. How had it come to this? How? He bent to scoop up a last shovel full of dirt, dumped it, and patted it down. For all of her genius, for an intellect that should have been celebrated all across the world and in the history books forever and ever, Liu Dan ended up in a shallow, frozen, unmarked grave. Now she would be nothing more than carbon. It had to be a shallow grave, hard as hell to dig through that dirt. He'd pickaxed and shoveled through about 18 inches of frozen soil. Below that, the ground temperature must have been above freezing, because he saw no more ice crystals. His arms started to give out at four feet deep, so he'd stopped and placed her inside. She wasn't going to be here for long. He'd make sure of that. Soon, snow would cover the broken dirt, and the grave would vanish. But he could find her again. He'd buried her in a small clearing near a single birch sapling that hadn't quite reached ten feet tall. He lifted the pickaxe, looked at it, 
wondered what it would be like to swing the point into Magnus Paglione's head. Soon enough. He set it down and pulled on his parka. From the pocket, he pulled out a can of Dr. Pepper. I'm sorry, Jean. I failed you. That was all the eulogy he could muster. Colding gently set the can of Dr. Pepper on the pile of loose dirt, shouldered the pickaxe and shovel, then started the walk back to the mansion. November 30th, a hot shot like you. Sarah sat in the lounge, curled up on a leather chair with a blanket over her legs. She was halfway through the now-beat-up printout of Hot Dusk. Without Colding to hang out with for the past few days, she'd spent her free time reading Gunther's novel. Not really her thing, but it was fun to read a book by someone she knew. Clearly, though, written by a guy. Ruby penises? Seriously? She liked the book, but her eyes merely grazed over the words, marking the brief intervals between long looks out the window toward the angry water and the ice-covered rocks. The hazy afternoon sun hid behind clouds that blended from gray to a road mud black at the horizon. Colding walked into the lounge. Her face lit up, but she saw no returned smile. He looked dirty, rumpled, and chilled to the bone. His pants were soaked around the legs and streaked with dark, crumbly dirt. He walked straight toward her and stood, looking down. She'd never seen such an expression on his face a look of anger and concentration and fear all mashed up into one. What are you reading? He knew exactly what she was reading. He had given it to her. Um, Gunther's book? Yeah, is it good? He held out his hand. So odd. She handed him the manuscript. He took the pages, then they slipped out of his hands. He bent to pick them up, pushing the loose pages together again. Sorry, he said. He handed her the manuscript. Actually, I'll have to check it out another time. I have some more work to do. Later. He turned and walked away without another word. She set the book in her lap, and her finger brushed a small piece of paper barely sticking out the top of the stack. A piece of paper that hadn't been there a second ago. Sarah casually flipped to that page and read the small note he'd slipped into the manuscript. Magnus killed Jean. I just buried her. I think he also killed Erica. We're in a lot of trouble. Act normal. We may have to make a move very soon. Be ready to do what I tell you without hesitation. Your life depends on it. Eat this note so Magnus doesn't find it. Her eyes seemed to fall out of focus. She blinked, then read it again. Jean? Dead? And Erica Hole? Murdered? Peach wouldn't joke about something like this. Not about murder. Holy shit. As casually as she could, Sarah crumpled the note. It was hard not to look up at the cameras, one mounted in each corner of the room. She brought her hand to her mouth and coughed. Mouth filled with the taste of paper, she coughed a few more times, the hand in front of her mouth hiding her furious chewing. She swallowed. Sarah felt a sudden urge to gather up her crew, run a full check on the C-5, and make sure everything was shipshape. If she had to move quickly, she didn't want any unexpected trouble from the plane. She put the book down and calmly started toward Alonzo's room. Sarah, Alonzo, Cappy, and Miller trudged through the snow, walking the half-mile from the mansion to the hangar. 
The heavy black clouds had closed the distance, pushing the gray aside like a broom slowly sweeping dust. The first flakes of snow swirled around in crazy spirals. More would be coming, and soon. You gonna tell us what's up? Alonzo said, his shoulders in their usual cold-weather position high up at his ears. Do you really expect us to believe you want a surprise inspection? Quit your bitching, Zoe, Sarah said. Just get it done. You're full of shit, boss, Miller said. Yeah, Cappy said. Full of shit. She stopped. So did they. The snow swirled around them. She looked each of them in the eye. Her friends. Her family. Do you guys trust me? All three nodded. Then do the inspection and don't ask any more questions. She turned and walked toward the hangar. Her friends followed. The less the boys knew, the less chance of someone slipping up, tipping their hand to Magnus. If he had killed John, he wouldn't think twice about whacking the C-5 crew. They entered the plane, leaving the growing wind to howl outside. Once inside, Sarah stopped to give everyone instructions. Miller, Cappy, do a status check on the flight harnesses for each cow. The twins exchanged a glance. Just in case, right? Miller said. Yeah, Cappy said. In case we had to, hypothetically, fly out in bad weather? Sarah nodded. The twins nodded back, then quickly and quietly went about their duties. Sarah walked down the aisle between the cows, Alonzo at her side. Know what? He said. I had this crazy urge to do the pre-flight checklist. I'd start in the lab, Sarah said. You know, make sure all the equipment is locked down. Just in case. Just in case, right. Because far be it from me to tell you that storm coming in is going to be a high-toned son of a bitch. No way we'd fly out in that, Sarah said. But after the storm passes? Anyway, doesn't hurt to be prepared. Say no more, mon capitan. Alonzo walked to Tim's lab area and got started. Sarah moved toward the fore ladder, walking past the cows, suddenly very annoyed with the ever-present smell of cattle and the stink of cow shit. Alonzo was right. That storm was a high-toned son of a bitch, and by the time they prepped the C-5 for flight, it would be right on top of them. They couldn't safely bust out until tomorrow, when the weather broke. That gave her one night to talk colding into leaving. She climbed the front ladder, reached the top, and walked into the cockpit to find Magnus Paglione sitting in the comm chair. He smiled at her. The cockpit lights played off his freshly shaved head. Sarah's heart beat double time. Adrenaline shivered through her body. Sarah, are you okay? You look like you've just seen a ghost. You scared the piss out of me, Mr. Paglione. What the hell are you doing in here? Magnus shrugged. Just checking out the plane, making sure everything was in good shape. You don't mind if your boss checks up on you, do you, Sarah? She forced a smile. Of course not. Is it still getting nasty outside? Sarah felt sweat trickling down her armpits. Maybe. He decided she knew too much. Maybe he was here to kill her, too. Yes, sir, still nasty. Wind is already picking up. That storm will be on top of us real fast. I'll bet it would be difficult to fly this big bird in weather like that. Sarah nodded, perhaps a little too enthusiastically, grateful to have an actual subject to discuss. Oh, hell yes. Taking the C-5 up now would be downright stupid. But you could do it, 
Magnus said. He stood up and walked closer, breaking the three-foot cushion. The killer stared down at her. This close to him, all alone, she felt like a child, home from school after another disciplinary incident, waiting for her father to make her go fetch the belt. No, not like a child, like an insect. Magnus reached up slowly and brushed a flake of snow off her shoulder. I bet a hotshot like you could fly this beast in that storm. Her voice came out small and thin. I, yeah, we could do it. You know, in an emergency, I suppose. Magnus smiled. Well, consider this an emergency. Dante has intel that Colonel Fisher could be here as early as tomorrow morning. You're bugging out tonight. Sarah stared up at him, fear vanishing in the face of swelling anger. You can't be serious, Magnus. I wasn't yanking your chain about that storm. I'm serious, too, Magnus said. He leaned down. Sarah couldn't help but flinch a little as his scarred face, with its odd violet eyes, stopped only inches from hers. She smelled Yukon Jack on his breath. I want you flying off this island by 20-30 hours, he said. Not a second later, you got that? His voice was no longer the smooth, calm monotone she'd heard all this time. Now it crackled with authority, a voice that had undoubtedly ordered men to attack, to shoot, to kill. Yes, sir. The words came out of her mouth of their own volition. Magnus stepped back, then nodded once with the flare of a Prussian officer snapping his boot heels together. He slipped past her and out of the cockpit. Sarah shivered. Maybe the storm wouldn't be as bad as she thought. And even if it were, it had to be better than being stuck here with Magnus Paglione. You have been listening to Ancestor by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.